Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. In case you don't know, we have a building fund and uh, I started talking about it a little bit more specifically. I think it might have been about two months ago. And uh, at that particular time, I, I was just transparent and I shared that we had 151000 in our building fund account. So it was a good start. And uh, so two months later, we now have 161000 uh, in our building fund account, which I think is fantastic. Uh, in actual fact, um, one person, I won't uh, even give any clue as to who it is, but one person just uh, even this week said that they're pledging 5000 uh, to the building fund account, which, you know, anyone can do. And uh, God bless them. They've already committed 2000 of that 5000 to the building fund account, uh, which is really fantastic. And so... I wanted to talk about just a couple of things that are coming up uh, because in case you don't know, the building that we're in is not actually our own. Okay, we've been meeting in this place. A uh, little, little bit of history for you. Uh, we first started, launched our church on October 28, 2001 at the Aubrey Public School Hall. And uh, for about 18 months there, we were paying $13.20 an hour. Um, and we, they hired it out to us for two hours, even though we were there for six hours. Thank you so much. And, and then after that, we started meeting at the Miramina Function Center, uh, where we bumped in and bumped out every Sunday. So getting in early with the setup team and then having a pack-up team. And we, and we did two services there every Sunday. We did that for about six and a half years. And uh, so now we've been here for uh, just on... Uh, I think just over 11 years, and so this is not our actual. This is not our building, and so we're currently paying $4,444 a month in lease repayments. Okay, per month, and uh, so we figured that that money would be better invested into our own facility. And I know that everyone uh, who knows anything about you know property investment would know that that's a good thing. I want to talk about a couple of opportunities that you have to give. And uh, the first opportunity that you would have would be to register for our building fund breakfast. Okay, uh, that'll be that's on the screen. And so we're going to be meeting at 7 a.m. on Saturday, June 26 at Cafe Barella's. Starts at seven and uh, concludes at nine. And we're actually charging $100 per head. Okay, and so obviously the breakfast won't cost you that much, but all the profits to that fundraiser will go into our building fund. And so anyone can register. In actual fact, if you want to be a part of that, why don't you take uh, the envelope that's either on your seat or next to you on your seat. And on the back there, you'll find our account details for, uh, for, for our tithes, your tithes, uh, for the building fund or if you wanted to give to missions. But if you want to be a part of the breakfast, um, we want to encourage you just to register online or you can take this envelope, put your $100 in there and uh, on the front where it says building, why don't you just fill in your name up the top? Just make a little note there, breakfast, okay? So you could either 
you know, pay, not only pay for yourself, but invite someone else to come. It would be a great opportunity. And we've got Pastor Graham Kirkwood, who's uh, one of our gateway advisors here. And so, you know, I have gateway advisors, people that I look to uh, for different wisdom and counsel on just next step, be it leadership or, you know, whatever. And um, Pastor Graham Kirkwood has been a, a great friend of this house and has visited here for a number of years. And so he founded uh, Global Church Solutions. And so he just basically travels the world. And so he's going to be speaking at that breakfast. And uh, he'll also speak in the 10 a.m. and 12 p.m. services that weekend. So it'll be a great time of fellowship. Now, there's only 60 spots. Okay, so I want to encourage you to come. Trains and I are already registered, so now there's only 58 spots. Okay, so can I just encourage you to uh, just get on that? And it can be a great way that you can enjoy fellowship, hear an inspiring word, have a good meal, and sow your finance into the future. The next day, being the Sunday, uh, June 27, we're going to be receiving a specific building fund offering. Okay, so that's the day where people can bring their offerings and, uh, and their pledges. So, for example, somebody might not be able to give a particular amount, but they can fill in a pledge saying that by, for example, the end of the year, they will fulfill their pledge. You know, there's been just a little catchphrase that's been coming out of my spirit ever since uh, I began to really talk about our building fund in just... Uh, with greater clarity. And that catchphrase has been, let's build tomorrow today and leave a legacy for the generations. Let's build tomorrow today and leave a legacy for the generations. And so I do want to encourage you to take this. If someone, if perhaps you're someone who, um, you know, hasn't began to tithe or maybe you've just laid that down for whatever reason, can I just encourage you to go to God and ask God about it and to pray about it according to His Word and begin to contribute something on a consistent basis? That would be a great thing. The word legacy, I want to just you know, put that out there again. Let's build tomorrow today and leave a legacy for the generations. What does it mean to leave a lasting legacy? You know, that word legacy is such a fascinating word. Like, I don't know about you, but I think about my legacy often. I think about what do I want to be remembered for? I've even gone down, you know, the whole track of what do I want my eulogy to sound like? You know, what do I want my daughters to be able to say about their dad? What do I want my wife to be able to say about her husband? What do I want people around the world to be able to say about me, not as a pastor, not as a leader, but just as a Christian, a follower of Jesus? I'm actually a follower of Jesus. I'm a servant of God before anything else. In fact, I never ever chased uh, ministry. I never chased the title of a pastor. One thing just led to another as I just kept on following him and he made me. And so the word legacy, it's such a fascinating word because it not only speaks to the future, but it also speaks to something beyond us, something that will outlast us and something that we'll leave behind for future generations. That word legacy is a powerful word. That word legacy, it's, it has to do with uh, the past, it's, it's present and it's future. 
The American philosopher William James said, the great use of life is to spend it for, some, uh, for something that will outlast it. You know, I don't know about you, but let's not just live a life just for today and just to get by and get to the end and, and then we're done. You know, my life is surely worth more than that. It's surely, your life is surely worth more than that. Well, can I just say that even just giving to the building fund is going to be one way that you can leave a legacy. Far after we've gone, what we've sowed and what we've done will continue to work not only for us, but for God and, of course, the extension of God's kingdom and the saving of souls. What a great thing. Psalm 145 uh, verse 4 says, Psalm 145 verse 4, it says, Families of this time, generations will praise your works to the families to come. They will tell about your powerful acts. Praise God. You know, it's just wonderful. Just imagine for a few moments, and I know that I've used uh, this example from time to time, but just imagine if everyone stops investing of their time, their talent, of their treasure. Let's just say that everyone just stopped investing, you know, last week and all the doors were shut. Well, you know what? There would be people who would not be blessed today, both on site and online. And uh, we've got guests here uh, who are visiting with us for the first time. You know, all of this exists for that first-time guest. Not just for you, of course it exists for you, but also for that first-time guest. If we stopped, you know, investing and giving, I don't know, around, around about six months ago, we wouldn't have had the opportunities that we're having with the Lebanese community, with other members of the Filipino community, the African community, if we stopped investing. And all around the world today, all, sorry, all around our nation today, the Anzac legacy is being remembered. It's been remembered by the military, government bodies, various clubs, schools, the media, and of course, the Christian church. The legend of Anzac was born on April 25, 1915, and was reaffirmed fighting on Gallipoli. And although there was no military victory, the Australians displayed great courage, endurance, initiative, discipline, and mateship. Such qualities came to be seen and known as the Anzac spirit. I love those qualities. May those qualities be paramount, especially in the church. Let me, let me just read those qualities again. They displayed great courage, the Aussies. Great courage, endurance, initiative, discipline, and mateship. Wow, wow, wow. May those qualities be so paramount in the church. The term ANZAC was first used in 1915 and is an acronym to describe the Australian and New Zealand Army Corps. Australia had a population of less than 5 million back in 1914 compared to 25 million today. And at the end of the war, 416,809,000 people had enlisted to serve in the armed forces. Of those, 330,000 served overseas, more than 60,000 were killed, 156,000 were wounded, gassed or taken prisoner. And the country, the whole country, rallied quickly to join the ranks. Some traveled thousands of kilometers, even traveling on foot for their chance to enlist and to fight for our freedom and for our country. And so 
we just simply take a few moments to remember their sacrifices and their legacy. Let's just go to an image that was getting around back in the day when our own nation was uh, looking to enlist people for the army. That was the, a poster that was going around. There is still a place in the line for you. And there's the sign. It says, this space is reserved for a fit man. Will you fill it? I just couldn't help but think to myself, you know, that was for a natural war. But what about the supernatural war? The spiritual war that we've all been called to fight in. And why are we called to fight in this spiritual war? It's not only for our own victory, but for the victory of those who are coming. To fight not only for our freedom, but for their freedom. This is one of the main reasons why you've got to fight for your freedom. It's the reason why the Apostle Paul said to fight the good fight of faith. We're in a fight. I don't know if you know, most of you do. We're in a fight and the Bible calls it a good fight. And we're called to fight not just for ourselves, but for others. And let me tell you one of the main reasons I fight and why I fight for victory. Number one, it's to get the victory in my own life. And so if there's a particular area where I find myself deficient or found wanting or lacking wisdom in a particular area of my life that is causing me to be defeated, then I fight for the wisdom. I fight for the solutions. I fight how to overcome. I fight to be a conqueror. Why? Because to win is a good testimony to the Lord, because that's why He came. That's why He rose from the dead, so that we too might rise through the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is the reason why the Apostle Paul cried out, Oh, that I might know Jesus, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection in my life. And so I fight for me, number one. You've got to fight for you, number one. But then we're fighting so that we can help others to overcome. You see, freely we have received, freely give. You see, I fight number one for me because you see, if I'm losing, how can I help you to win? But if I'm winning and I've learned how to overcome and I've learned how to win, then I can help you to win. Then I can help you husbands to win as a husband. Then I can fight for your marriage. Then I can fight for your children because we've had to fight for our children. And I can fight for you and help you to also overcome. That's why we fight, because it's a good testament. And I just thought to myself, just going back to that poster, I thought to myself, I wonder here who will answer the call and fill in the gap and stand in the gap on behalf of those who do not yet know Jesus. I wonder who that is right now. Because, you know, young men, men 16 years of age, 17, 18, 19 years of age, they would see that poster and they would be nudging their mates saying, so I'm going, you're going to come? And they'd be like, yeah, I'm coming. I think it's inspiring. I think it's moving. I'd love to see, I love that kind of spirit. Hmm. I love that kind of spirit. I love that kind of spirit. We need more of that kind of spirit in the church because let me tell you, that testimony is not necessarily I have found in the church. I, I, I have found that some men can actually drop their responsibility like that and go so cold like they never 
or like you never existed. Bring back some of that Anzac spirit in the church, I say. You know, how do you know you're a conqueror? Like the Bible says uh, that, you know, it encourages us to declare that we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. Well, how do you know that you're a conqueror? You're not a conqueror because the bank balance is full. You're not a conqueror because marriage is great and full of bliss. You're not a conqueror because everything is going the way that you want it to be. You're a conqueror because things are not going well. And yet you continue to stand up and fight. I think, I don't know, uh, you can correct me, but I think it was Mike Tyson, a world champion boxer, who said, everyone has a dream until they get punched in the face. Everyone has a dream until they get punched in the face. You're not a fighter because you put the gloves on. You're not a fighter because you step into a ring. You're not a fighter because you've got an Instagram profile. You're a fighter because you take some pretty big hits but you, and you get knocked down, but you keep on getting up. I have this little philosophy. You only have to get up one more time. Some people have said to me over the years, how do you keep on doing what you're doing? How do you keep on standing up even during, you know, times of death and times that are not favorable? How do you keep on doing it? And my response is, well, I only have to get up one more time. I only ever have to get up. You only ever have to get up one more time. My question is real quick, who's going to respond to this? Who's going to respond to this? Not just with, not with a hand raised, not with a, a verbal, yay, verily, surely I shall do this. No, no, no. It'll be demonstrated in what we do, not just today, but in six months' time. It'll be demonstrated in what we do in one year from now, five years, 10 years, 30, 40 years from now. That's the true test of your endurance. And so today, we are thankful for all those who served our nation and the generations that follow. And we are also thankful for the armed forces who continually serve to protect our world today. And so, yes, it is very fitting to remember them on Anzac Day. And I am thankful for them. And I am even more thankful for Jesus who died for all mankind. And I just want to invite you to stand now. And we're going to watch a short video. And uh, included in this four minutes is one minute silence. And so even if you're able to at home, why don't you join us and be a part of what we're doing here? Let me just say thank you to you for joining us online. We welcome you. We know that there's people um, in Mornington uh, Peninsula, in Swan Hill, in Africa, in India, in the Philippines, and uh, in various places around our nation watching. We want to say thank you for joining us and for watching this replay. Please stand with us also, uh, even as I've mentioned, uh, where there will be a one-minute silence. Thank you. At this time, on Sunday, the 25th of April, 1915, Australian soldiers began to wade ashore on the Gallipoli Peninsula in Turkey. At home, weekend life continued, oblivious to the unfolding drama 12,500 kilometres away. On this day, we remember the sacrifices made by our servicemen and women at war 
in conflicts and on peacekeeping operations, and especially those volunteers who took part in the landings on Gallipoli. They shall grow not old, as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun, and in the morning, we will remember them. Lest we forget. unprecedented times we stand apart but we remain together lest we forget like anzac day history recognizes a real-time event that occurred upon a cross not just over a century ago but over 2000 years ago where we also remember that jesus made it possible to have a personal relationship with our heavenly father the living god by willingly offering his own blood for the sins of every nation and generation past present and future and john chapters 13 to 17 records the last conversations that Jesus ever had with his disciples where he seeks to explain to them what is about to happen but the disciples there they're afraid and they're confused and when we read Jesus words we get the picture that this compassionate loving Lord and Savior is seeking to strengthen their faith 
and to comfort them as we read in John chapter 15 verses 9 to 13 which is also gateway word of the week and I believe that as you hear the words of Jesus I really do believe that God's living word you see this is what I believe and it's important to know what you expect and what you believe when you come to God's word and what I believe is this it's this that as I read his words I really do believe that a healing anointing will go out healing broken hearts healing distressed minds healing bodies who are diseased and uh, will just bring great comfort and peace this is what I believe, I believe that the Holy Spirit will pour out the Father's love afresh into everyone's heart. And even as we were hearing those trumpet sounds, you know, there's a, a, another trumpet that is being blasted in heavenly places. And the Bible talks about there being the last trumpet. And I have a sense that as it is in the natural, so it is in the spiritual. I have a sense that even as you were hearing those trumpet sounds, something was being stirred in your hearts. A calling, a, which demands a response to stand up and to step out and to fulfill your destiny so that you might leave a legacy that's past, future and present. And here are the words of Jesus from John chapter 15, verse 9. You can follow on the screen. And remember, this is Jesus really just wanting to comfort and strengthen the faith of His followers. And He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And it goes on to tell us how Jesus says that you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. I think that's how we prove that we love someone. And Jesus speaks about love here. He speaks about love. Listen, He speaks about love of the highest degree. If there's someone here fighting a battle and it's, it's like for you, it's like spiritual warfare and the battle is raging with a loved one and things are not good. There's division, there's stress, there's heartache. Let me give you the number one tip for spiritual warfare and for winning the war. Are you ready? Here it is. Love. It's the greatest weapon. It's the greatest weapon. Is it not what converted our lives to Him? It's, it's what converted my life to Him. It was His love. And we use the word love to talk about all kinds of things, don't we? I love Larry's pizza. I love Larry's pizza. I love my cat. That's a lie. I, I confess my sin. That's a lie. I actually love cats. Trina, for some reason, just had to go out of the room to go and help someone. It's good timing because she loves the cat and the cat loves her. I'm not sure what it is about her and I mean, me and this cat, but I don't love this cat. This cat from... 
I grew up with cats. I feel like this is a therapy session for me right now. Every time I walk into the room, the cat runs. It just runs. It could be on Trina's lap. And if it's not in a sleepy enough state, it'll launch off and just run. I don't know what I've done, but I, I've traumatized this cat. So now I use it to my advantage. So if the cat, I walk into the room and if the cat starts, if, if it starts running, then I give it a reason to run. So I'll start chasing it. And we've got this, you know, she has this little thing, way of escape. She runs really, really hard on the tiled floor. And at the end of the house, she has to make a hard right. <laughs> and when I chase her, she never makes that hard right. Because <laughs> she has to put in those paws, that, like put in an extra effort. And she never makes that hard right. And she's fishing it out and just slam into that wall. And it's just the best. I'm not going to lie to you. It is the best. I am like rolled over. I just can't believe this is great. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> it's a little bit about our house. And we can use the word love in so many different ways. I love this. I love that. And, and, and I understand that we don't, um, we're not giving the things that we're declaring that we love the same meaning and the same definition every time we use the word love. But love also has varying degrees. You can hand out the communion elements. Thank you. Love also has varying degrees from the, the highest to the lowest. And, and Jesus is focusing on the highest supreme kind of love that one can have for another. And what is that kind of love? What is the greatest kind of love? What is the greatest kind of love? Because we know that there's romantic love and it's in the movies, it's in the songs, it's in greeting cards and love letters and on social media and demonstrated through emojis and, and things like that. But what is the, the, the supreme and the highest kind of love? It's the kind of love that makes a choice to love another. This love is more than just emotional. It's more than just what we feel. It's what we choose to do. We can lose our life through an accident, but we can only lay down our lives through a choice. And as I've already said, this world is filled with all kinds of definitions of love that profess the greatest love. But the, the, the real test is not what is said, but what is done. And just as we begin to close, I want to share a little story that I hope, thank you, bro, that will hopefully demonstrate what it is that Jesus has done as He allowed His own blood to be shed for the remission and the forgiveness of sins. And in His book entitled, Written in Blood, Robert Coleman tells the story of a little boy whose sister needed a blood transfusion. And the doctor explained that she has the same disease that the boy recovered from two years earlier, and that her only chance for recovery is a blood transfusion from someone who had previously conquered the disease. And so the doctor asks little Johnny, he asks, Johnny, will you give your blood 
for your sister Mary. And Johnny hesitated. And later you'll find out why he hesitated. Let me ask, let me ask the question again. Johnny, will you give your blood for your sister Mary? Johnny's little lower lip began to quiver and tremble. And then he smiled and he said, yes, I will do it for my sister. And so the two children are wheeled into the hospital room. Johnny's sister Mary was very pale and very thin. Whilst Johnny was very robust, full of color and healthy. And as they were both being wheeled into the, um, into the ward side by side, they, they looked at one another but didn't say a word. But in the end, Johnny, the little brother, grinned. And as the nurse inserts the needle into little Johnny's arm, Johnny's smile begins to fade. As he watches now, the, the blood begin to flow through the tube from his body. And with the ordeal almost over, Johnny asks the doctor very nervously and, uh, and says, Doctor, when will I die? Only then did the doctor realize that Johnny believed that giving his blood to his little sister also meant giving up his life. And it just so touched my life. And we know that Jesus, he gave up his own blood, the life that was in his blood, so that when we now come to him and ask him for forgiveness, we too can be cleansed on the inside of all of our sins. And I'll just invite you to stand as I just continue to uh, read the scriptures. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says that Jesus is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave all our sins. 1 John 1 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And I love this passage, Romans chapter 10 verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. And so how do we get cleansed? How do we get forgiven of all our sins? Well, the good news is this. You don't have to go through another man or a woman or a priest or a pastor or some rabbi in order to be forgiven. God has made a way so that you now can come directly before His throne and ask Him to forgive you. And the way that this happens is this. 1 John 1, 8 and 9, it says that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.